We have one from last week, though, right? Didn't we have one from last week? We do, but I don't like using the ones from last week because they have yesterday's energy. To only you and I. We are the, literally the only two people on Earth that know that that happened last week. Yeah, but then like the you know, but then the miking is always a little bit different because we don't have like a for real for real studio. So like the miking changes and then it gets all weird. The miking changes. Listen, I mean you. Don't, <laughs> I didn't say. The miking changes. I didn't say it like that. <laughs> you did. of you joining us for the very first time this is icon or Wycon, the show where we break down your favorite film universes one flick at a time my name is andrew david sotomayor and i am here as always with the new religion to my pedro serrano mr cj laroche cj how are you doing everybody clap your hands i'm good Quite an entrance. Thank you. It's one of the stupidest baseball cheers that they do at a game. It's 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 everybody clap your hands and they start clapping right, but it just sort of like fades out into nothingness. Like nothing happens. At least with like a charge, we get closure with everybody clap your hands. It's like what are we doing here? I want to circle back to why charge gives you closure. Because it's it's a it's an exclamation point, right? It. It's a period. Right. There's there's it's punctuation with everybody clap your hands. I just I just think they serve different functions. One is a call and response moment, and one is a You've call. You've never been to like, a baseball game. Stop. <laughs> I've I've been to one high school baseball game in my life. Does that count? Yeah. Does not count. It doesn't count. It does not count. Okay. No, but coming soon to a stadium near you, Andrew David Sotomayor will attend a baseball game. We're, we're going go to go to a Mets game, happen, folks. We're going to go to a Mets game. game. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do it. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And especially after watching Godzilla versus Kong, where he made such a big deal out of sitting watching, of talking about watching a baseball game and holding like a foot long dog and a cold beer, like he like set it up to be such an American thing that we all want. That's right. That's Wait, right. But was I've that never Godzilla's actually. Con? No, that was Skull Island. I, have, I haven't seen either of them. But it, I, I'm going to tell you something. I've never had a hot dog at a baseball game. Why not? Well, because my first games I went to were in Montreal, right? So I ate poutine and then forgot about poutine until my Canadian wife reminded me that it was a thing. And I said, oh, wait, no, I've actually had that. We ate poutine and cheeseburgers as opposed to the hot dog and french fries. And then once I started going to Met games, the chicken fingers that Aramark pumps out are the deliciousness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have the chicken fingers and fries, and now of course at City Field you've got Shake Shack. So I've I've just never I've never done a hot dog, but I think on your first baseball game, yeah, I have to because I need to have a long piece of meat when I go to baseball. Oh. Anyway, what um, oh, what movie are we talking God. about this week? What's <laughs> happening with the movie that we're discussing? It's got to be about baseball because otherwise we wouldn't be talking about all those things. We're, we're in the major league. Should we league? start over? No. Should we start over? No. We're good. We're in. <laughs> we're in and, and I want that captured for eternity. Uh, we're, we're, you let us here, CJ. It's the major league trilogy. It's your universe, man. We're, and we're just playing in it. It's absolutely major league two. Uh, I'm thrilled. I'm excited that they made a sequel. I'm excited that I get to to digest it and uh, regurgitate it uh, here for all you folks out there. Um, so without further ado, 
<laughs> Let's get into it, man. Let's get into it. All right. So this is fascinating. This movie is fascinating because it does that thing that sequels do where it's been like five years, but we're supposed to pretend it's next year. Yeah, I think that from a narrative perspective, for, for a baseball situation, yes, it absolutely works because you have to have the recent past, right? That's what baseball is all about is the recent past and then the deep history. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about the narrative of a baseball team, I mean, you're looking at a four or five year championship window anyway. Yeah. So from a narrative perspective, mm-hmm. it's better. There are thousands of problems with the fact that we're in next season five years later, but we'll get into that. Yes. But I do think that from, like I said, from a baseball storytelling perspective, we would have to pick up with next season. We got to pick up with next season or like, as I'm going to say later, maybe a few seasons later would have been better from this movie's perspective uh, because of all the, the problems inherent with it. Well, there's just so many things that uh, this plot depends upon that can't happen between seasons. Andrew, you are absolutely right, and yeah. I think not being a baseball fan, you don't even know how right you are. Yeah, like, it's just like... So, go ahead. Well, Start you, diving in, man. Okay, well, here's the thing. Uh, Vaughn. Rick. Yes. When did Vaughn meet this woman whose heart he broke? Flannery. Whose heart he oh, broke? Uh, Pacey. Not, that's not her name, but no. like, she looks like a Pacey. What's her name? Ritter? Mrs. What's R. Her name? Mrs. R. They just call her Mrs. Ritter, R. Right? Yeah. I think I think it's Ritter. Anyway, it doesn't Nikki. matter. Yeah, when when Nikki. It's Nikki. When did they meet? Andrew, when did they meet? When did they have time to fall in love and fall out of love? Yeah, and then he's met this other woman that is becoming his manager. Flannery. Flannery, who's his manager, who has grown his hair out, changed his whole vibe, and tried to franchise him in between seasons. Yeah, in between seasons, and he's lost his fastball. And he's lost um, his fastball. Which is, which is sort of – it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy because all of this has happened in six months, Andrew, because they went to the ALCS, which is the American League Championship Series, okay, yeah. against the White Sox. They won the division. Uh, fun fact, though, in uh, 1989's Major League, they were in the American League East, and so they beat the Yankees to win the East. Yeah. Right? And in this, and then they go on to the ALCS and they lose to the White Sox, who are in the American League West. Hmm. In this movie, they're in the American League East. They win and they go against again. They're going to play the White Sox in the ALCS from the American League West. Then, in real life baseball, that season, the movie, the year this movie was released, so it was 1995. Baseball began new divisions. Okay. And the White Sox and the Indians were are in the American League Central. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this would have been the last time in real life that these two teams could actually face, well, no, they could face each other in the ALCS, but they would be fighting each other for the division title. Got it, got it, got it, got it. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I just feel like... uh, What I was saying, well, the whole point of that whole diatribe, sorry, everybody, the whole point of that was that they played until the middle of October. Yeah. Pitchers and catchers report the last week of February, the first week of February. Yeah. So all of this happened from November, December, January, and like th- so, like four months, yeah, four or five months. Add to that that in that same four and five months, uh, Dorn retired effectively, negotiated buying the team poorly, poorly, yeah, which is actually a very funny scene. But like he did that in that amount of time, which I guess could happen. 
Not really. Not right. Not, I mean, not seems, really. Yeah, that's not really. It, it would be way too much. It would be way too much for her to for first her first of all to decide to sell the team. Yeah. Okay. Because she, she, just had, she had all it. these plans. She just inherited it. She was trying to move them to Miami. Yeah. Uh, which, does that mean she just gave up? Rachel Phelps doesn't strike me as a person that would just give up and sell the team unless she had like some kind of master plan. I guess. Like unless this was her master plan, fine. But the, I mean, the paperwork alone, you know, would have taken months to execute. Yeah. Um. No, it's it's wild. And Dorn, who was a savvy, savvy businessman. Okay, like when we saw him, he was a better businessman than a baseball player, and now all of a sudden he's a buffoon. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, also, weird. yeah, I have a list. Also, Serrano. Serrano has time to completely give up on Jobu and become a Buddhist. Fuck you, Jobu. I'll do it myself, but yet I actually want to get like another little guy yeah. that I'm going to worship, and so I'm going to put the Buddha in there. Uh, yeah, no, that doesn't work. That's yeah. a pro- that's problematic. Um, I-, I think that... I think that what David Ward did was just say, hey, I've got all these baseball players with quirks and now I'm going to take their quirks and I'm going to reverse the quirk. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. You know? he, he did it to all of them. Uh, also, a uh, really, really obvious recast of William Mays Hayes. By the time we get to 1994, Wesley Snipes had become, you know. Was White Man Can't Jump. Yeah. Become a star, which Charlie Sheen was also up for. Yes, which would have been hilarious to reunite them there. Would have been been good. Yeah, but like, so we have a recast of him, but they recast him with somebody that's like younger. So everyone we know is visibly five years older, except for Willie Mays Hayes. Right, visibly five years older, and also much less uh, in stature. Yeah, you know he's skinnier, he's shorter, and he's skinnier, and. you know, it, it, Omar Epps is a fine, fine actor. Oh, and he he does a really great. Job, yeah. He does a really great job playing Wesley Snipes, playing Willie Mays Hayes. You know, as soon as he pops out of the limo in the beginning, he's like, "Hey, I'm doing my best, Wesley Snipes here." Yeah, but he kind of you know, gives it up, up after pitch. that. He, he gives That's what it I'm saying. That, is that yeah. is like he comes in, he comes in hot. Yeah, and then he's just sort of like, "Okay, I guess I'll do my best, Wesley Snipes," which isn't very good as the movie wears on. As the movie wears on. As the movie wears on. And also, in this four-month period, Willie Mays Hayes has become famous enough to headline an action film with Jesse the Body Ventura that is about to be released. That must be the fastest casting Greenlight turnaround I've ever seen. Yeah, because if you look at the previous season, I mean, they didn't get good until halfway through the season. So we're talking June, July, yeah, right, for his star to rise all the way through the postseason uh, there's no, there's no way that that could have happened. Yeah. Right. I think that the narrative would have been better served if you weren't such a fucking klutz. Sorry. I think the narrative would have been better served from, I think the narrative would have been better served from the point of view of what was happening in real life if they just said it five years later. Yeah. And then, and then he could have you know? written all of these things that take five years to make. And yeah, we're catching and the up only with thing, them now. The only thing that you lose, the only thing that you lose is the Jake Taylor wanting to still play. Yeah, because five right? years because from he was, first he movie, was he 40 would... something in the first movie, you know, but that whole thing is taken care of in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, they make him a coach. You know, they make him a coach. He doesn't make the team. They make him a coach. He helps the, the young kid, Rube. Rube uh, is great. I love you him. Know, 
Oh, Rube is fantastic. And yeah. what a great baseball name. We're, we're thinking about the famous Rube Waddell. Are we? I mean, I was. Okay. I'm not sure if anyone else was. Rube Waddell was a player from the early 19th, uh, early 20th century. Fascinating. Maybe late 19th. Anyway, Rube Waddell. Look him up, everybody. Look him up. Know your history, folks. <laughs> peanuts. Get your peanuts. <laughs> So now what this movie does not skimp on is it's got some really quality playing. It's got some quality training montages. Uh, I actually love when they're in training and we meet all the newbies. I think that's really cool. I think the movie's great. I just think at this point, like it's you're about 20 minutes in and you really feel that PG rating. Oh, yeah, it lacks. It lacks that um, danger. Yeah. It lacks danger. Um, it really, it really feels very, very popcorny. And uh, the unfortunate part about that is that the writing and the filmmaking doesn't support it. Interesting, interesting. Go say more, say more. Yeah. So let's look at the Jay Leno scene. Yeah. Oh, that's some okay. terrible acting from both of them. Bad stuff. Um, I love the fact that Charlie Sheen had done the movie The Chase which involved him stealing a car and driving it through multiple states. Yeah. And then he talks about that. I love that. But if you just look at the way that it's shot and the pacing of the scene, it's so slow and it's so dreadful and it doesn't fit. There's a juxtaposition of there's a really bad, there's a bad guy on screen who's talking about some bad shit that he did, but we're in, we're in kind of a family movie. Yeah. So the weight of that, drags down the scene yeah right or it could just be it could just be the bad acting and i might just be like putting way too much you know second year film school on it but to me that was where i first was like oh my god this is not great yeah you know this this is not this is not major league and and i'm thinking to myself okay so what what are we doing here like why are we here right this can't just be a money grab it was just a money grab but what are the what are the qualities? What message? What's this? What, you know, what's this? What story are we trying to tell? And at that point, I was like, we're just trying to tell the same story with like a little. It's a little bit more Hollywood because the '80s are over, and now we're in the '90s. Well, and here's the thing: so the '80s, you have these kishy sort of sexy comedies happening. You know? Yes. Yeah. And, and then in the '90s, it, it changes because, like, I think '92. My years. I'm gonna. I'm gonna speak on some stuff, and my years might be fucked up, but like, we'll see. I, here's here's the thing. So, any of you 18 listeners out there, fucking fact check the shit out of me and talk to me about it on Instagram. I want to hear from you. So let's say I'm thinking like Basic Instinct and The Crying Game, like 1992-ish, right? The Crying Game. Yeah. I feel like was later, but continue. So we had those two movies that kind of change, that kind of help affect the 90s ideal about sex in movies. So it's either super sexy, like a disclosure, you know, and like, or like, it's like naughty love, like Crying Game, right? Also, Crying Game has some early elements of a post-AIDS crisis homosexual identity. And so we're in that. So what you have here is you have that 90s idea of sex. And then like 92, you've got like the babe, a league of their own. Uh, I think Sandlot, rookie of the year, like 93. 
these types of baseball movies are what's in the public eye right now. These sort of soft, family-friendly baseball movies. So you circle sure. back into 94 with Major League Two, and it's like, oh, baseball movies are hot right now. Let's do another Major League. But it's got to be soft and funny, like like Mr. Baseball. You know, it's got to it's got to have that level of edge to it to be appealing. And then what you have because of these ideas of sex that have been perpetrated in the early, I say perpetrated, but have been foisted upon us in the early nineties. You have a weird moment in this movie where there are three very visible homophobic moments that were really indicative of what the mid nineties were like post AIDS crisis. Homophobia was insane for that. And so you have three moments in this movie where they're like, really, really blatant in a mean way, that, a way that wasn't present in the 80s movie, which was way more sexist and misogynistic. So I think it's funny that the PG sanitized version of this movie is actually more offensive in certain ways. Wow. Tell me about the three moments. Uh, there's a moment where they call somebody a queer. Where he's like, is that clear? And he's like, did you say I'm queer? Is yep. that, uh, there's uh, the Jay Leno interview where he talks about the judge being a transvestite. And that's totally played oh, for shock he, value. Is, is your cousin or is it the judge? The judge, right? Yeah. Yep. And it's like, ooh, he's a transvestite. And um, somebody calls somebody a pansy at one point. It's like, look at those pansies. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's just, a pretty that's a that's a pretty standard that's a pretty standard sports insult, pansy. Don't be a pansy. Yep. I don't think it's a standard right. sports insult. I think it's a standard like era insult. I think there's a certain generation that is familiar with the casual usage of the term pansy. Oh sure, but you're gonna find that coming out of your um, certain parts of the country's football coaches. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Or maybe maybe most parts of the country. Most parts of the country, honestly. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So no, I hear I hear exactly what you're saying, and and it's it's unfortunate too because you're coming off of Major League, which is so smart and so sexy and so, and so fun yeah, and funny. Yeah. You know, and it's sort of cleaned up, but it's got that it's got that darker. I mean, we could we could say that about a lot of the movies that we talk about too, couldn't we? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. It's just I just yeah. it was so present for me in this. I was like, wow, look at look at that mid '90s homophobia on screen, just for you to digest, right there. Just, there it is, just, just out front and center, right out there in your face. Because God forbid, you know, just just make sure we know we still hate the gays. Oh Jesus yeah, absolutely, Christ. absolutely. And and while you're at it, we're gonna we're gonna add a very very inappropriate Asian character. Yes, that now, characterization this, this, is insane. Tanaka. CJ, Tanaka, I was like, yeah. "What am I watching?" That's the cringe. What is happening I mean, here? And he doubles down, but that man has a samurai sword in the dugout at his introduction. It is, yeah. it is as though he just got traded from feudal Japan. Like it's ridiculous. Why would he be wearing that? It's 1994. Because Asian, and also. This is uh, this is my first um, baseball error that I'm going to talk about tonight. He says he's been playing for the Tokyo Giants and the Yomiuri Giants. Okay, not explain. the Tokyo Giants. Explain, Yomiuri. explain, explain. Well, the Yomiuri, I think that's a town or a city. Okay, um, I could be I could be wrong about what Yomiuri is, but the team is called the Yomiuri Giants, okay. not not the Tokyo, the Tokyo Giants. Giants. Do you think they did? That they just play in Tokyo. I think they play in Tokyo. I think they did that just to say Tokyo, so we would understand. Sure, but it's annoying because I know what the Yomiuri Giants. Yomiuri Giants. I know what that team is. Yeah, I can't say it, but I know what it is. You know what? It's 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 interesting. Uh, now, 
his dynamic with Serrano, I feel like, was something that they were hoping would spin into a sequel. They're very funny together. But that is some... Very, very funny, but very um, oh. not sensitive. You can't... That can't that, first of all, this, that scene work would never exist. But then it, it's complicated because I think the marbles bit is hysterical. <laughs> yeah, no, the marbles bit is hilarious. Real quick, just so everybody knows, uh, the Yomiuri Shimbun is a Japanese newspaper published... In Tokyo. Okay. So the Giants must be affiliated with, with the that newspaper, newspaper. And they play in Tokyo. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I get but it. The Yomiuri Giants, I mean, that goes way back, man. Like so many professional major leaguers went over to play in Japan. At this point in real life in 1994, 1995 Japan, uh, major leagues, there's no Japanese players. Yeah. So this is, this is one of those. There's a couple of these things where right with the bullpen entrance from the last movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where all of a sudden, what happens in the major league franchise? We start seeing in real life the ads on the on the outfield wall. Oh yeah, that was that was a, a joke. And what was so funny when they made a joke out of that? I was like, I've seen that a hundred times, but you didn't see that. Commonplace. Yeah, absolutely commonplace now. So there's that. I don't understand but, a couple of things though. How did Dorn get so broke? Or is the team how did he get just so that broke? expensive? You ready, Andrew? Yeah. You're gonna love my answer because. Uh. The movie has to happen. Oh my gosh! Really? Because like he was like because, on top of the world because, last movie. Because the movie has to happen now. First of all, if if you could buy a baseball team for a hundred million dollars, um, let's start saving our pennies and figure out how to do that. The Mets just sold for about two billion dollars. Yeah. Wow. Granted, that was you know it was nineteen ninety five. Maybe maybe teams were a hundred million dollars. I doubt it. Um, but yeah, no, he should not because you you have. You may not have the liquid capital after sinking all of that money into the team, yeah. but if you're looking at it from a sports business perspective, um, if a team comes out of nowhere the year before and goes to the American League Championship Series, their season ticket sales in the offseason are through the roof. It doesn't make sense. That stadium, which is in Baltimore this time, real quick, we're in Baltimore. <laughs> We're still not in Cleveland. We're no longer in Milwaukee. We're now at Baltimore's Camden Yards. Okay. But that stadium sells out and that whole season sells out. Like that's a ticket seller's dream. Mm. Okay. To cut, to have a team that is nothing. And then all of a sudden rises to, to stardom and you don't pay for those tickets as you go. Like you buy a season ticket package, like credit card, yeah, and you it's charged, and that money is theirs. He should so have no that money. There's no way that he would have run out of money. Also, this is another baseball nitpick: when the when the attendance starts to dwindle, that doesn't happen in baseball because this team was really really good six months ago. People are going to keep coming until at least the All Star break, and in this movie, around the All Star break is when they start to turn it around. Yeah, but back to the marbles. <laughs> <laughs> we are very, very far away from the marbles at this point, but I, but I'm okay with that. I think that's fine. I felt like it was important because it's very funny, and and uh, Dennis Haysbert and the fellow who plays Tanaka, um, his name is Takaki Ishibashi. Uh-huh. Uh They're hilarious together. Like they're you were they're hilarious together, and it's absolute wonderment. It, it made me sad because I I. I I know, especially with, with the year we've had, I, I just know that those two actors must have been miserable just having to, like, fucking go there because it's bad. I mean, it's bad 
It's now, bad. And you know what? It's unfortunate, right? Because as as a white man, um, I I don't know what that's like. Yeah. Right. And I can't even imagine what it must have been like for those two. Yeah. To just be like the director being like, hey, act Asian. Hey, <sighs> act Asian with him. Yeah. Right. Like, and you're and these actors who are in the mid 90s are kind of like, oh, for fuck's sake. They probably looked at each other like, uh, OK, are you OK with this. I mean, yeah. can, do you want to is do you want is this worth fighting about? Um, yeah. You know, and like I have I have no perspective on that, man. Like I can't even imagine you know what that what that's like I, I it really works in the context of the film they nail it they they nail it they fucking yeah. nail it like they, they nail it, but like I mean, I mean, it is job. cringy though it is so cringy. cringy oh yeah yeah no but they, 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 the most they, unfortunate thing andrew is that in 1995 95% of people that watched it myself included it didn't phase me oh no 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 this is a conversation that came later i didn't think anything yeah. of it I've I've seen yeah. this movie so many times. You know you know what I did realize though? Um I realized that my memory is not consistent because what I thought was Major League was really a hybrid of Major League and some scenes from Major League 2. I had like merged them in my head. Wow, that's yeah. a, that's interesting. That's very interesting. I do that with Indiana Jones. Oh, I see that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Like all of the scenes that take place in the palace in uh Temple of Doom yeah. and the opening scene are in Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Everything else is Raiders. No. Like the, the guy with, <laughs> that pulls out the heart. It's yeah. in Raiders. That's, no, it's no, in Raiders. And then, and then somehow they end up in Nazis Yeah, in my brain. And, you know, I really have to be like, oh, no, no, that, the guy with the heart, Indiana Jones, cutting the bridge, Indiana Jones. That's a whole other universe, Andrew. I know. Why have you let me speak this long about this? I, I, Back to you, baseball. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm just letting you fly here. I'm trying. I want to support you. I want to be here for you, CJ. Because like you were there for me that. when I talked about Superman for hours at a time. I'm going to be there for you. So you want to fucking talk about Indiana Jones? Go for it. It's my pleasure, Andrew. I'm here for you, man. I'm here for you, as you know. Preach. What's much, next? Much appreciated. So there's a couple of great moments too that I want to like. I've spent more time than I thought I was going to shitting on this movie because I actually liked it. But uh, there's a couple of things like I love Rube. I love how he gives the slow clap speech. I love how he's like the heart of the team. He's it's so it's so pure. Yeah, there's a couple of great moments. Um, and my current boss and I, we've talked about him. The donkey in the balls. Right. My mom died and, you know, I got kicked in the and then I didn't really think. And the other one is in the dugout when he says or in the in the bullpen when he says women can't live without him. They can't pee standing up. Yeah. No, he's hysterical (laughs) and they give him some juice. And that actor is so funny. I actually loved him in um, he's got a really small part in Starship Troopers. Yeah. And uh, oh, why, why, where, why didn't he have a bigger career? He's hilarious. I mean, I, we, I've seen him stuff. and just and just such a he plays Eric the, Bruce Cotter. Yeah, he plays the big charming dope perfectly. Like, yeah, he is. He's perfect, man. Well, he was in Crimson Tide. Yeah, no, he had a mid nineties moment. He did. He had a mid nineties yeah. moment. He did. He's done some TV for sure. Oh, he was in Twenty Four for a bit. Okay, did you watch Twenty Four? Twenty Four is great. I like Twenty Four. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember so, him from 24. I have a couple of quick baseball questions for you while we're here. Oh, this is – now this is where – and right in my wheelhouse, which is down and into a left-handed hitter. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, Dorn reactivating himself and showing up in the game as general manager, is that possible? Yeah. 
Uh, you know what? It 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 is it 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 is, and it used to be, and I'm not sure if it still is. But there was a there was a great manager. I want to say his name was Kit Kelly. Could have been Kit Kelly. Uh, there's a lot of old timey ball players: Rube Waddell, Kit Kelly, uh, Cap Anson, who was a terrible racist. I think it was Cap Anson who was racist. Anyway, you used to be able to announce yourself into a game, Andrew. What? So this this guy was managing a game, and he the, there was a foul ball, and no one was going to get it. So the manager said, Kelly in for Boston, and he caught the ball. And so now there is a rule in the Major League rulebook that says you cannot substitute during a play. Wow, because of that moment. Because of that guy, yeah. God, I want to say it was Kit Kelly, but Kit Kelly may be a character from a musical. Anyway... Uh, Pete Rose managed the Reds and played. Really? Yeah. So, so I mean, it's, it's possible. possible. You know, the, the the great Bobby Cox was the GM who went back into managing. So he could have he could have played. Uh, you have to be on the twenty five man roster. So I guess if you're on no now it's twenty six. Huh. You have to be on the roster. So I guess if you're on the roster, you could play. Fascinating. All right. Next question. Rachel Phelps all of a sudden becoming the owner again because movie. That seemed rather fast, especially in the wake of Dorn selling all of the wall space at the stadium. Yeah. Is that possible? Just owning a baseball team? Which is like, she's the owner now, and she's going to come downstairs and, like, talk to you guys midseason. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that was, that's more of a legal question than a baseball question. Okay. On, on how long it would take to execute the sale of a team. I mean... You know, most recently the Mets were sold, and I, I felt I feel like that took months. Yeah, to get that done. You yeah, know? well, um, it usually takes negotiations. All right, last baseball question. Okay. During the final game drama. Yes. Right before they bring Wild Thing back out, which is a great reveal, and it's iconic when he when he puts on the glasses and like mm-hmm, and he becomes mm-hmm. himself because it's a whole journey of his self rediscovery. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and I love that moment for him. Um, when did he cut his hair? Did he go to the bullpen and get his hair cut real quick? I think he went to the bullpen and got his hair cut. Yeah, there's, uh-huh. um... So he definitely didn't have that haircut at the start of the game. He didn't have that haircut at the start of the game, no. Um, I, 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 I mean, you know, I'm, I, I'm okay with that one. I think, okay. I think he went out there, he was inspired. Um, you know, it's a newer ballpark. It was built 93, 94. So, you know, there's definitely some outlets out there. They could have, uh, he could have taken his razor, his, yeah. his, his hair clipper. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, last thing. So I understand that, uh, Vaughn could have an emotional problem to prevent him from throwing heat. Like he used to, I get that. I totally get that. That performance anxiety. Uh, I totally get that. Hayes has sustained an injury, but, his injury disappears. Yeah, big like, time. In a big way, it disappears. Like, because there's uh-huh. this whole narrative of him not wanting to. What's it called when you send somebody in to be a runner? Pinch run. Oh, it's it's a, just like pinch hit. Yep. It's except it's running, not hitting. Got it. So there's this whole thing about him not wanting to pinch run. It's because of his injury that he's been covering up. But then that doesn't really play off because really it's just because he's being a dick, right? Dorn. Yeah. No. no, not Dorn. Not Dorn. Hayes. Hayes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got, he's probably got a little pain. Here's the thing about baseball. No one's healthy, fully healthy. Yeah. They're all broken down, right? 
everybody's hurt. Yeah. Like, day one of spring training, everybody's 100%. From then on, everybody's, like, a little bit hurt. So I think from a baseball perspective, that actually that actually tracks. Okay. Like, because he probably hurt himself filming uh-huh. the movie that took 17 minutes to shoot. Yeah. And so, and now he's just nursing it. Like, he's being a baby. Got it. So he needs to just, like, yeah. push through. He needs to just muscle through it. Yeah. Rub some dirt on it, as they say. Yeah. I'm, I'm searching frantically to find out the manager that announced himself into the game. Oh, my God. I let it go. Search it. on, search so on break. So, we have a whole commercial I'm so break sorry. this. Yeah, maybe, maybe someone could find it and, and post it on our Instagram. Yeah, or, I hope so, because you're absolutely trying to figure this out and not listening to me giving my pearls of wisdom in this moment. That hurts No, I know. Fear. You were talking you, – you asked me if I would bring the fish, and I said I, I bring it on Tuesday. What? When someone's <laughs> no, not yeah. listening, you say, <laughs> Tuesday, but I won't bring the fish unless he asks me. Hilarious. So I have one more thing I want to talk to you about. Just one? And that's just, it? Just the one. Okay. It is what you feel when Vaughn strikes out Parkman at the end of this movie. Yeah. Is it strong enough to make you forget the problems that you have with this movie? Because I felt some things, man. Like, that victory, that victory slapped me in the face so hard. I was like, yeah! I'm so into it. 100%. <laughs> why, did it, why did it work? Why did that I mean, work? I'm going. I'm going back, Andrew, to when he turns around. Oh, I mean, there's a little, there was a little bit of <laughs> from that moment to the end. I was freaking out. Yeah. yeah, it's because it's because a David Keith, who plays Jack Parkman, is a fantastic actor. He was great. Okay, and he has done a very good job being a villain to this point. Mm-hmm. So you want him to fail. Yeah. You remember Ricky Vaughn, mm-hmm. California Penal. Yeah. You know, you want me to take him out back, beat the shit out of him? You remember that guy. Yeah. You have that nostalgia in your heart. They haven't, like, he the, hasn't the, been the that guy the whole movie. The, but it's, it's okay, though, because the problems and the ill of this movie do not overshadow what came before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so, so you remember all of the good. I got you. Know, you. you don't worry about, you don't worry about the past hour and change. You just want him to do it, and you want them to win, and you want Jake to make it to the World Series for the first time. Yeah. No, it's fucking great. It's a fucking great yep. moment, and I flipped yep. out. I literally was, like, screaming. I thought it was so good. Yeah, it was really good. You know, and then it's Strong. over. Yeah. <laughs> it's a killer final then, sequence. Well, then Ricky Vaughn goes and, and visits the girl, the woman who brings kids to every single Cleveland Indians game in Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we wrap up that storyline, which I mean, yeah. I, I get it, but like that, that made me sad for Renee. Renee got five lines. Oh my god! They didn't know what to do with yeah. that character. That poor character. Yeah, just just complete just complete underutilization of her. And uh, again, like I'll say it again, man, Doran's wife, what a fantastic actor. Yeah, and you know, I mean, she was the she was kind of a linchpin in the last film. Like I will, you know, shout out to to Brett. I know you're listening. Uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like that movie, that moment was a linchpin moment. Uh, I, but where is she? She must have divorced him. I, She's I, gone. Maybe that's why he doesn't have enough money. She took it. She took it. Well, actually, we will well, actually did. We she got, got it. There. We did it. She got it. They got there. divorced. She took the money. So he only had the $150 million to buy the team. Yeah. But somehow. That's, there it is. Somehow because that's it's all out of his pocket. He didn't have enough to pay them. 
because he's paying for everybody's salary. I yeah, no, no, that's, that's just fucking. Wrong. It was garbage. But just like, wrong. yeah. Also, like you said, when did he become a boob? He was actually pretty shrewd and kind of a douche. He was very shrewd. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a douche. You know, he's an idiot ball player, but he he was he he had his financial head on straight. Like, yeah, that 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 was his priority. Him being a mess, and like when he's cowering behind her, he's like, I was like, wait, that's not Dorn. <laughs> that was so weird. <laughs> it was so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. We should take a break and record a commercial. And record a commercial. <laughs> you know, CJ, this is one of our pandemic traditions that I'm so glad we were super consistent with because I really am starting to see the results of all of our work on this podcast. It's pretty great. Now, where are you seeing results, Andrew? Like in your midsection, um, like in your, your chest area, where where are the results happening best for you? Because I could use some. Listen, my chest area is on fire, but really it's because my heart is so full from all the engagement we've been getting on our social media. I mean, I'm talking oh. to... I'm talking to people on the Instagram, I'm talking to people on the Twitter, and I want to do more of it. The 18 listeners have really started to engage. Uh, We appreciate you. We see you. Uh, We're very excited to have you. Yeah, so I think that, Andrew, where can can the people who may be 19, 20, 21, where can they find us? Listen, at Icon or Ycon, both on Twitter and Instagram. And we have gotten way more active than we ever were. So remember those 15 episodes where we kind of lied to you about communicating with us? They're, it's true now. We're actually there and we want to hear from you. So I say go for it. Just do it. Yeah. Log on. Log in. Trip out. <laughs> back to the show. And we're back. We're back. And I have a couple of great pieces of information, everybody. Michael the King Kelly was the name of the manager who substituted himself during a play because there was no rule that said that he couldn't. And then they wrote a rule that says you can't make substitutions during a play. Also, Cap Anson was racist. (laughs) There's a little bit more to the story. I know you want to hear it. I was just waiting for you to ask me. He said one time that he would not play against a team with a black man on it. And that's kind of how baseball's color barrier was erected. Oh, wow. Cap, Cap Anson was a, was a great player of the day. And he said, I'm not doing it. If you, if they, if this guy's on this team, I'm not playing him." And then it was, that was, you know, the early, early aughts. And then it wasn't until 1947 when Jackie Robinson first played. Isn't that incredible, though? Isn't that incredible? And this is a tangent we'll get back to, but I think it's so important that you share that story because these are how these systems continue. You know, somehow we allow the loudest voice with the most negative intentions be the one that sets these rules. And until we actively stand up against these people and say we won't allow that sort of dialogue and behavior, we're not going to see any change. No, no doubt, man. It's, 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 it's the bully and the, it's the popular kid and the nerd. Yeah, man. The popular kid, they write the rules. They're the ones that everybody looks up to. They're the ones that everybody says is the best and whatever they say goes. So it's, it's, you're absolutely right, man. It's, it's very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Anyway, anyway, I digress. CJ. Like we do. We talked a lot about things. We talked a lot about things. We talked about a lot of things. You got me. You got me feeling like Dr. Seuss over here, mixing up my sentences. <laughs> Did Dr. Seuss mix up his sentences? I don't know, but I'm all mixed up now, and I'm okay. rolling with okay. it. Okay. Okay. I think I need some clarity. I think I need some focus. 
think I need some ephemeral questions. Questions! Da, 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 <laughs> of the ephemeral! Da, 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 da. That's all I got, man. You know, Wild Thing was the only choice of music, and I tried. I did the whole first half of this episode. I wasn't really listening to what you were saying. I was, like, trying to come up with, like, Wild Thing. But it's a hard song to sort of, like, rap lyrics around. Yeah. When you're talking about ephemeral questions. So that's that's what I got this week. That's what I gave you. Yeah, no, I really liked it. I really liked it. I really liked the energy you put behind questions. I thought it was very satisfying. Questions! Yeah, yeah, it was good. Of the ephemeral... And I gave it to you twice. Listen, the song's so nice, he sang it twice. CJ, what worked about this movie for you? Okay. Um, what worked for me was the the story. Ah. The story worked for me. I liked that we're we're coming off of a season where everything was amazing and wonderful, and then all of a sudden we have issues. That's baseball, man. You can you I'm, as a New York Met fan, I've come into every single season for the past thirty some odd years. Being, we got a good team, man. We got a good team. We finished last year strong. We are golden. We signed a couple of guys who can play baseball, but we're good, man. We are good. <laughs> we're going to be fired up. And that's to me, that's what this movie is about. Like opening day, like everybody's excited. Like Willie Mays Hayes is calling a shot. I mean, he would have been drilled in the side. The next pitch, very next pitch, would have drilled him. Um, but no, that sort of like optimism that slowly over the course of time, it happens very quick in this movie, but in real life, slowly over the course of time, that hope just drains out of you and we all become Randy Quaid in the bleachers, right? Yeah. Um, it, we're a little less, um, melodramatic about it. Um, he was too much. Not even too much. He was too much. But Andrew, you know, when you, when you, when you look at what he did and you look at the performance that he gave, that's all real. Really? Like that sort of that sort of roller coaster of emotions from spring training when you're like, you guys, this is it. This is the year we're going to do it. You know, until like something goes wrong and like the first couple of games, your closer blows a save or like you get blown out and you're like, this team sucks. I hate them. I mean, I can show you texts with me and and you would see <laughs> that the the negativity and the pessimism just it 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 grows within you because baseball is such an unforgiving game. And I think that this movie did a really great job of encapsulating that. And then when they turned it around, I think that they did, they did a really great job of showing the the the, the exuberance and the the, it, the freaking ecstasy that happens when your team finally starts to put it all together. Uh-huh. Um, so it was a little different than the last one, right? Where they were just like a complete disaster, and then they got great. In this one, they were expected to be great. Now the execution of that, like. Like we talked about, like turning all these characters on their side and and not even being recognizable. Just being not like, them anymore. That, yeah. was, that was faulty. But the, as far as the storyline and the narrative, I keep coming back to the narrative. It's fantastic and it really, really works okay. for me. Okay. Yeah, I can. But I can yeah. vibe with all that. That'll make sense. Yeah. Do you want to? Um, do you want to ask me the next question? Oh no. Do you want to talk about what worked for you? I, it's it's kind of a thing that we do. We've done it for about okay, thirty-seven right. episodes now. I think we should continue. Maybe. Thir- Wait. Did you did you say the number thirty-seven? I did. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna leave that there. Okay. There you go. Thank you. Just gonna leave that there for everybody. It's been listening. <laughs> so, 
What worked for me was they hit all the 90s sports movies beats right. You know, it's interesting that the movie was very different, but the movie did succeed in the same way that like your rookie of the year or your A League of Their Own or your Babe, you know, it kind of did that formula in a really fun way. I think the thing that it did the least was be a successful major league sequel, but it was mm, a successful yeah. film. And and from judging it against the time that it came out and what had come immediately before it and what will come right after it, it was super aware of what it was and super aware of where baseball was going to as for the second time, things that were incorporated in it became reality. So yeah. for that, it shows a, a real intelligence on the filmmaker's part of he couldn't really make another major league. So his gut told him to sort of do a flip it on its head retread, which wasn't the most successful thing. But at the end of the day, it pays off as a great early 90s sports movie should. Yeah, and I think I think early 90s sports movie, I think that they, like you said earlier, they looked at what was going on. Yeah, you know, and, and I love that, that we play the Chicago White Sox in this one and also Angels in the Outfield. Yeah. The White Sox are the bad team as well. Yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah. It does it does it does some really interesting things right. You know, there's some yeah, there's for sure. You know, there's flaws, but I every movie's like that, you know. And yeah. especially sequels. I, I always have a little bit more respect for a sequel for even existing because they're just not the odds are against them. I mean any sequel that was made after The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. It's, it's kind like, of the only one that Jesus. works. Godfather 2. Really? But Godfather, Godfather 2. 2 works. Yeah. But there's one that doesn't work, and that's The Last Jedi. Fuck. That one doesn't work. You. <laughs> yeah. Last Jedi's yeah. great. And I've also, I've also made a new rule for myself where it has to make sense. I can't just blurt it out. Okay. All right. Well, you yeah. know what? It's, it's good to grow. I yes, think, for sure. I think that's important. And I will say sure. this. The Last Jedi also seeks to turn things on its head, but culminates in a very beautiful and satisfying way, much like Major League Two. Yeah, I think that we did, you should edit when you go back and before you release the episode, make sure that you said The Last Jedi also turns things on its head and shoves it down the toilet. Just make sure that you get that edit in there. Ah, <laughs> uh, whatever. CJ, speaking of things okay. that didn't work for you, what didn't work for you about this movie? Yeah, there's a lot of baseball error <laughs> in this movie. Um uh, and I'll get to those. But the, the first thing that I really want to say is the pacing of the movie is off. Mm. It's very, very junky. It's not awkward. It's not slow. It's junky. Junky. Um, Elaborate. The, yeah. These scenes are these scenes are very – some of these scenes, especially anything with Flannery and Vaughn. Uh, I talked earlier about the Jay Leno scene. It's very clunky mm-hmm. and junky. It's not spunky. It makes me want to – I was going to say punky – Pukey. Anyway, it's bad is what it is. It's was not was well constructed. Scene. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Put one hand up. Put the other hand up. Beep, 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 beep. Okay. The 17 uh, of you can't not see good. CJ just gave me two figures. 18. Remember 18. 18. 18. We got 18, 18 now. now. Sorry. Yeah. Jesus. Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of pace issue and I think that it's just it's just poor direction. Yeah. Right. Because the script isn't as great as the as the first one. So the actors you can tell are like a little uncomfortable. Uh, um, also, the thing that I, I just want to say uh, real quick, um, 
there's wonderful baseball thing where Willie Mays Hayes catches his remember the catch he makes in center field over his shoulder with his hat falling off. Yeah. That's a direct reference to the 1954 World Series where the actual Willie Mays made that catch. Oh, very in the cool. Polo grounds in the Polo grounds, Andrew, where you actually live, like blocks from where it used to be. Really? Yeah, Coogan's Bluff. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where the Polo grounds were. And in the 1954 World Series, who did the New York Giants play in that World Series, Andrew? Who? The Cleveland Indians. Good reference. Good reference. Okay. Okay. And also, 1994, did you know that the next season in real life baseball, 1995, the Cleveland Indians went to the World Series? Basically, David How crazy Swart is that? knew what was going to happen. How crazy is that? He willed it into existence just a couple of years late. The, the biggest thing that I do want to mention, though, okay, is we are in game seven of the American League Championship Series. Ah. Uh-huh. Okay. We, this is one game from the World Series. The pitcher that Rick Vaughn replaces, first of all, is a former uh, actual major uh, minor league baseball player. Ha- might have had a cup of coffee in the bigs. Anyway, he pitches eight and two-thirds innings, gives up like six runs. There is no way that he gets out of the fourth inning with that performance. So just like in the last one where they definitely like batted out of order. Yeah. In this one, that they should have gotten that pitcher out of there a long time ago. Really? And also, where is Eddie Harris? Harris is gone. Where's Eddie Harris? Harris is gone. Where's Eddie Harris? But Harris was already draping himself in Vaseline. It was it was pretty over in the first movie. Well, I'm saying they could have done something where they like packaged him and Willie Mays Hayes and like traded him to another team. Yeah, they could have done a million things that would have made more sense for the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's I just went through a laundry list of things that did work and things that didn't work. I just know that I'm coming to the end of talking about this movie that I love. So I just wanted to keep going. Uh <laughs> Andrew, do you want to tell the uh, the six by three folks at home what, uh, what what didn't work for you? Uh, yeah, that PG glow. Yeah, the PG glow made me sad because there it was twenty minutes in where I was like, there is no world where I'll get the satisfaction of fuck you, Joe, but we'll do it myself. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. when he said that yeah. shit, come on, that was. Oh, it was so good. You know, it was, it was yeah. thrilling. At it. And you felt like I was watching a sports movie with some rowdy ass grown men that wanted to fucking win. You know, it created, <laughs> it created a different energy around it, or yeah. a different environment. Yeah. And so this PG Glow, it, it manifested in so many strange ways in the writing because they knew they, they couldn't do stuff like that and they couldn't be as, as sexy and epic as they were. And it manifested in like, strange contemporary popular homophobia, some bizarre racial caricatures and like kind of some like weirdly drawn plot threads about be yourself, you know? So that PG glow really sort of, (laughs) they were, they were hamstrung by what they could talk about because they were limited by the amount of topics you can talk about with the verbiage you can use. Does that make sense? Some weirdly constructed plot threads of happy years. It's true. I was just like, wow, we're really hammering this. Like, you gotta be you, Dad. You know? Yeah, I do. Hey, I just happen to I have do. your old leather oh. jacket here. Why? Why are you carrying that? What? Why do you have that? And, like, honestly, he, he slept with Roger Doran's wife on October 11th. When did they meet? 
or or like September 30th. When did all this happen? Oh, it's so oh, strange, man. and they have such a such a strong connection. It was just weird. Yeah. So like yeah. that PG glow, really, I felt hamstrung them. So. I feel you, man. I feel you. <sighs> Does this movie make your Desert Island top five? No, it doesn't because I've got a much more satisfactory um, alternative. Yeah, the first you one. No, I've got. I've got the first one, which is great. Um, it's the it, it's the same uh, characters, ideas of the characters, right? Even though they kind of assassinate a few of them, yeah. Um, because because why could they not come up with anything else? They they don't like, even show men without their shirts off in this movie. This movie is that uh, except tame. in the beginning when we get the when we get the great recap. I mean, Bob Euchre does a fantastic job again, but even he it, like it's lacking direction, right? Yeah. Like we talked a little bit about Randy Quaid being over the top. I feel like I feel like Euchre was a little over the top too because I don't I can't imagine anyone was was sort of guiding him. Yeah, you know, it's it's like I mean, when I used to be an actor and and you would get seven, eight, nine, ten performances into a, a run, the director's gone. And you've got this sort of like base and now all of a sudden people are laughing at you and you like raise the volume. Yeah. You know, it, it, it just sort of lacked, it lacked a direction and, and a guidance. Yeah. That I, I think that. that I think was really needed. Well, yeah, this one doesn't make my desert on top five either, which is weird because I remember it so fondly, but sometimes things you remember fondly just don't hold up on the rewatch. Now the last 10 minutes, I, I was 13 again. I was like, yeah. Yeah, no, from from the minute that 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 I'm stuck, Andrew, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. The minute that Randy Quaid realizes that Vaughn is back. Yeah. Even even Randy Quaid's performance gets a little bit better there, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's a Yeah, no, it's it's great. And I love I love right before that too, the callback to Gimme Vaughn. Yeah. You want Rick Vaughn? And you remember. See, I think that's what triggers it. I think that's what triggers it, is that line. Like, it makes you remember, you want Vaughn? Rick Vaughn. Yeah, no, he's got a little problem against this guy, but he's due, right? Like, yeah. Even Lou Brown. I mean, even Lou Brown is like, he's like so over the top and crazy and like not. I think, I think the direction yeah. was the issue. Why was man. he standing on the just, bed being nuts? Like, why would he do that? It just didn't make any why would he sense. Do that? Why he was would he do so that? He was so chill in the first movie. That was part of his charm. So chill. It's the best. Too old to go yeah. ducking behind. What is that? Too old to go ducking behind blockers for you like yeah uh he was so good you said uh, something said something much more funny than that but yeah oh really yeah you didn't quote it right it's I, fine, I don't remember no it doesn't matter stare down all right you ready <laughs> <laughs> you ready for the bonus question i thought I should are you annou- two doing a staring contest <laughs> i thought i should i thought i should announce it since it's audio only um <laughs> all right in the spirit of Zack Snyder's Justice League, I believe in the justice of a reboot. So uh-huh. if, if you were to reboot this movie, what is wow. one the, thing you would fix? Wow. One. Wow, that's so – wow. I need you – well, here's the thing is my your bonus question and my special award are, are interlinked <gasps> or interconnected. Well, let, let, let's join the two. Yeah, so so my special award is the Rick and Keel Award. Uh. You have no idea who Rick and Keel is. Not a clue, but I'm here with you on this Not journey, a, man. Yeah, so Rick and Keel was a very promising starting pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh. Okay? And like Rick Vaughn, Rick and Keel lost the strike zone. 
Okay. So he had a great, tremendous rookie year. They go into the playoffs. They go through the division series, and he starts. He got to gets a little wild, and then they're playing in the NLCS versus the Mets, and he just explodes. Can't find the fucking strike zone, right? They send him down. He becomes an outfielder and comes back up and has like a pretty decent career. Mm. So I would give this movie the Rick and Keel award. And what I would do is I would say, Hey, let me see that script. Oh, it's not that good. Why don't you go back down to the minors and figure it out? Mm. And what I would have them do is turn it from a pitcher to an outfielder, right? Because a pitcher and an outfielder are kind of the same thing in that they both play baseball. Mm. In this movie, they took baseball players and kind of turned them into like croquet players. Yeah. Or like uh, back backgammon players, right? Like <laughs> badminton players. Yeah. Like they just they just they just turned it completely wrong. What I would do is I would say, I want you to make a movie where five years later, the Cleveland Indians have won a couple of World Series. And that would make sense that now Rick Vaughn is sort of worried about his image because he's been a successful player for three years. Yeah. It would make sense that if Wesley Snipes doesn't want to do the movie, Willie Mays Hayes died. Yeah. Or we traded him or he went to Japan. Yeah. And Tanaka came back. I would set the movie later mm-hmm. to get rid of the inherent problems that we have. It's okay that they wanted to take this route and kind of flip these guys on their heads and make them weirder. Mm-hmm. Right, and make their issues kind of like the same, but like a little weirder. The problem was the timeline. Yeah, I feel that. And so that's what I'm going to fix in the reboot. I'm going to tell them the story of Rick Ankeel and how, you know, as bad as it looks, you can, you can still go back down to the minors and make it better. I love that. That was beautiful, CJ. Thank you. Um, so I, I, I let's say uh, Andrew, what would you do? What would you change? I would give Dorn something to do. <laughs> I think with the story that David S. Ward had to tell, he didn't have any juice for Dorn beyond Dorn buys the team because he was the rich one in the last movie. Right. And then, oh, I need to create conflict. Well, Dorn's out of money. I'm not going to explain it. It's just going to be Dorn. Right. And then it's like, oh, yeah. well, we should get Rachel Phelps back. Well, Doran has to sell the team back to Rachel Phelps because the act two thing he did for a joke to make money also didn't work. Right. And they're like, well, what do we do right. with Doran now? Well, Doran is the general manager. So he reactivates himself. And then what does he do when he gets there? Does it play? No, Doran has nothing. nothing to do this entire movie. And it's so sad nope. because Corbin Burnson is a great actor. He's a great they, actor. They who's struggled. Lost. They struggled finding things for Dorn to do in the first movie too. Yeah, I mean, but he was pretty—he was pretty important. He That's was, the thing. He like, was that's pretty good important. Writing is when, he was when pretty you don't important. have a lot for a character to do, but he—but he's still very important. But think about this: that movie at the end of the day was really about Hayes, Vaughn, and Taylor. Yes, absolutely. And so they were the trio. Have, yeah, and so you have Corbin Burnson kind of like as a side lead, but he's on all the promotional material because he is a name. But like the Corbin Brunson storyline is relevant for the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes. That man sort of evaporates. Once they get him playing, that character has nothing to do. And then so what you've done is you it's like hero season two. You have characters that had a one season shelf life and we're struggling to find things for them to do because you have actors that you want to see on the screen. Right. 
Yeah. Which is funny because you know, Dorf becomes a, a major part of part three. Yeah. He's stole well, we'll get to that. part three, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But, the, you know, the Marvel TV shows do a really great job of recognizing when characters are done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They just get rid of them. They, they kill them or they write them off. Like if you look at um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with uh, Bobby and, and, and the other guy. I can never remember his name. They get rid of them very, very well. And they kill, they kill the, the, you know, they kill Ward and they kill uh, the other guy with the lightning. I can't well, so many names, man. Well, because characters, characters run their... They're all based... Uh, they're, yeah. They're all based on comic book characters. Like, it's hard to keep straight. But characters do run their course. And, yes. And that's, that's what's weird. That's why it's weird that they brought... That they recast Willie Mays Hayes because they don't give the character anything to do. No, and he does the same thing. If you remember in the first one, he's trying to be a power hitter too. Yeah. It's just, and Lube does, makes him do push-ups. Yeah, he has nothing to do. Yeah. Yeah, and so what's yeah, what's, no, it's, what's his big arc in this struggle. one? Well, he, he agrees to pinch run. That's the big arc. <laughs> he agrees to do his job. He comes back. Yeah. He stayed. It's ridiculous. Now, my <laughs> thank you for that. So now <laughs> my, delay. my special award, because <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. My special award is different than that. But okay. my special award is the Works For Me Award, and it goes to Jake <laughs> Taylor. Mm. Because somehow, Jake Taylor, in the first movie, gets everything he wants in spite of himself, right? Okay, I'm yeah. listening. Right, so he gets, he gets Rene Russo back, even though he's an admitted douche, like... He's yeah, his yeah, knees okay, his yeah. knees are bad, but he's still able to like really, really help out the winning game with a smart choice to bunt. You know, he gets everything right. he wants. In this movie, Jake Taylor, not a single player does what Jake Taylor says. <laughs> the only thing he successfully does is get Rube to start reciting articles from Penthouse or from Frederick. Playboy. And Fredericks. Yeah. yeah, but from Fredericks in replacement of, of Playboy. That's the one coachy yep. maneuver that he does that's effective. The entire movie is littered with a player not doing what he says and then not doing what he needs him to do, yeah. Not doing what he needs him to do, him relenting and it working out. Yeah. Again, screenwriting is hard, man. <laughs> oh man, it's it's, it's bad. very hard. It's very hard. Yeah. But that's my special word. Works for me because Jake Taylor well, yeah. understands that things go annoyingly well for him. So it doesn't matter that the players are not listening to him. They're going to win. He's the star. Yeah. He's the star. He is the star too. Boy. Yeah, he is. Wow. He's God, amazing. he's good. Yeah, he's, he's so just good. so good. He looks like a ball player too. He looks great. Yeah, oh, yeah. Huh. Absolutely. I love Except when he's hair. running in that spring training scene. It's very bad. Yeah. It looks very bad. I love his hair in this movie yeah, you, you love everything about Tom Berenger. Yeah. Man, he's even in he's in that movie with uh he's in Christopher Nolan's uh Inception. He he's is. fantastic. He's fantastic in that. He's like ninety-five years old and still killing it. Yep. Here's to you, Tom. Oh, here's to you. All right, CJ. Is this movie an icon or a Y-Con? Whew. Choose your answer carefully. It's very close. Mm. It's neck and neck. Mm, but you have to make a decision. Neck. Yeah, I'm going to say that it's a Y-Con mm-hmm. um, in that the first one is so strong that that this one pales a little bit in comparison. Mm-hmm. And the screenwriting is poor. 
And well, I guess that this is part of the screenwriting. The character assassinations are just too aggressive, egregious to overcome. Yeah, I feel that to bump it to icon status. But I still like it. I mean, I'd give this movie like a solid B plus for, for like it's a C film movie. enjoyment. <laughs> for film enjoyment, I'd give it a B plus because I love baseball. And I love watching baseball on screen with characters that I know. So I would give it a B plus. But yeah, from a film perspective, it's 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 Huaycon. Huaycon. Mm. I feel that. Yeah. Do you agree? I will say that if this film was in spring training with all of the other baseball movies, at the end of that week when they got to their locker they would have a red tag in it. <laughs> giant, giant smile bobbing my head up and down, just so everybody knows. That's very was that? good. That's yeah, very good. It's, 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 it, you know what? It's good. It's good at what it does. Doesn't mean it can hang yeah. with us. You know? It doesn't make the team I'm saying, man, and I think that you just sent the Major League franchise back to the minors. <laughs> Well done, sir. I mean, I, 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 I can't even think of a better wrap-up than that moment. I think we should just call it. What do you think? Yeah, you're out. <laughs> For Icon or Wycon, I am Andrew David Sotomayor. I am resembling CJ LaRoche this evening, and we'll see you next time. Next time. <laughs>